Before you think this episode sounds a little bit uh, lackluster, let me just say managing your money and saving big on tax season is, well, honestly something that I'm super into and I wanna pass that on to you. So I'm bringing on Sean Hanquist, CFP, and my CFO, who's going to be breaking down some really big saving techniques, tax write-offs for tax season, right? So when you're listening to this episode, it's totally targeted for my solopreneurs who probably are not managing their money yet, waiting until the day they can also hire a CFO. And listen, after this episode, you're gonna know exactly what to do, how to save big, and you're gonna feel way more confident come tax season. There's a reason this episode is coming out now and not, not in March, okay? So take a listen, guys, take some notes, and dive in. Hey, y'all, I'm Taylor DeHaze. I'm obsessed with all things business and fitness. I left my career as a TV reporter, followed my dreams, and created a seven-figure online coaching business in just two years. Now I'm sharing my proven strategies with you. Oh, and we'll keep it real, discussing mindset, money, and hardship to help you build the life of your dreams. Grab a cup of coffee and get cozy. Welcome to the Taylor DeHaze podcast. I'm so glad you're here. What's up, guys? I am here with Sean. You guys might know him as the Fit CFO on Instagram, and he is actually my CFO, and he's amazing. I think we've been working together for, man, it'll be like a year at the end of the summer, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, <laughs> we like bought a house in there and everything, Sean. Like, there's a lot of <laughs> time is flying by. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, so we were kind of chatting before this, and, uh, you know, I love I love that Sean like works with um, those in the fitness space. He's actually like prepping for a show right now. He's ten weeks out. I know you were saying you're not you're not feeling too bad yet. Like how how's that going? What show are you doing? Yeah, so uh, Denver show uh, August thirteenth. So I think I'm about ten weeks out, and I'm just comparing to where I was prior shows ten weeks out, and I'm feeling pretty good. Um, but I know there's a lot of work to be done yet. So maybe I should probably keep my mouth shut because <laughs> it's oh. probably going to get a lot harder. But uh, so far, so good. And I'm um, cruising along and loving nice. life. Yep. I love seeing like what your wife makes you. Your birthday was recent. And I was looking at like, you know, all the like the, the pancakes she made mm. you that were like macro friendly. I'm like, look at you. You guys are killing it. I just love y'all. Um, no, it couldn't be done without her <laughs> keeping track of my food. And um <laughs> You know, she's able just to make it taste really good, right? The quantities might not be there anymore, but it tastes good and and yet it's healthy. So it's a good deal. Love that. Um, cool. So the purpose of kind of chatting with you today and for anyone listening is, you know, what I've noticed with a lot of entrepreneurs is we focus really heavily on getting the business coach and getting in the course and getting the certification and no one is managing our money. Right. And, you know, jokes aside for all the things we should have learned in college and never did. Right. And like <laughs> that, that comes to, you know, taxes and all these things. Right. And so I definitely don't think today is going to be uh, it's going to be jam packed with information, guys. But whether you're a solopreneur or you're going to seven figures or whatever, like we're going to kind of break down um, just what you need to know at different levels of your business. And uh, we're going to kind of kick this conversation off. Just Sean, like what are some trends that you're noticing whenever you're like getting a new client, for example, like what are just some like, oh my God, I can't believe like you're still doing that or you're not keeping tabs of that. Cause I know you work with clients that are making, you know, six figures, multi-six and all the way up to seven. So like, yeah. what are you kind of noticing? Yeah. Well, um, yes. All good things here. But what I do notice is 
the usually the entities created by now. So the LLC uh, for legal purposes, that is good. But there's a lot of things that like need to line up with that that I see is missing. I see people have the entity right for legal protection, but then they're not aligning like their business bank accounts accordingly. They may be still operating out of personal bank accounts. And that creates some dynamics there. And it's also hard to have separation between your business and personal when you're not operating out of your business bank accounts. Um, One thing I I don't want to miss there is like the reason why you want to align your business bank accounts with your business entity name is for the legal protection, right? You don't want your personal assets at risk if something bad would happen within the business. Um, so the separation of financing and the aligning of the business bank accounts, I do see missed quite often. Yeah. I mean, and I'm somebody that waited like way too long to do that. I know that's like one of the first projects that we worked on. Um, and, and I think it's like, you know, some of us, maybe it's like a laziness thing or some of us, it's like, we really don't know. And, and, you know, no one in my life personally is an entrepreneur per se. Right. So, you know, when you're surrounded by people that have like, 401ks and like things of that nature. It's like people don't really understand how to give you advice. And I'm fortunate that I have, you know, people like you in my corner, financial advisor in my corner that's kind of been there since inception to kind of guide me through all those things. But yeah, I mean, um, I kind of want to start off by just like, let's talk to the coaches that are just starting out. Okay. Maybe they're working a nine to five right now and they are building their online business. At what point, whether it's like monetarily or whatever, like what are some just like fundamentals you can kind of give them for like tracking their money? Like I know that I use QuickBooks when I first started. Maybe you have like another another opinion on that, but just like managing your money. Give me some like basic tips there. Yeah, I feel like we could all start out with just an Excel spreadsheet um, to keep costs down, especially if it's a side hustle. If you're still trying to figure out of Am I quitting the nine to five and I'm going all in? I don't know yet. Just keep track of it. But what I see missed the most is it's not done often enough. So like you might go three, four, five, six months without keeping track of anything. And then what happens is you just miss things. It doesn't get written down. So it didn't happen. And then you miss write-offs and it just um, snowballs from there. So if you do have, you know, five to $10,000 in revenue. Now you're starting to get pretty serious in business and you probably should be shifting over into an accounting system like QuickBooks. Um, so you're organized and you're also, you're ready to hand off the books to someone else when you scale um, to that um, a little bit higher than that. Once you start scaling, it's easier to pass off the reins and outsource stuff once it's on the accounting platform. So I'm very like technical. I like having exact directions. So for the people that are listening, that are like, okay, yeah, QuickBooks, I have that on my phone, whatever. I was that person who would be like, oh shit, I forgot to add this or create a rule for that or, or you know, put my mm-hmm. mileage in or whatever it is, right? Like, right. would you say just like on a weekly basis, kind of update your QuickBooks? Like what would be your, I guess, prescription for that? I would say monthly would be often enough as you're just starting out. Okay, perfect. So once you kind of get to those like 10K months or six figures, I guess, you know, when, oh, all right, maybe it's before that, but like, when do you think it's time to open up like a business bank account? Mm, good question. I think you should probably open up a business bank account or at least a separate personal bank account from day one. You, and just kind of shift money over into that? 
Yes, you want to have all your income go into the new bank account and all your expenses come out of there so you can easily track it and you don't have your personal expenses like uh, commingled in the same account and then it makes it harder to track. So if you just have one account, it could be when you're starting out, it could still be a personal account, but just operate business out of one account. So then when you go back to do your accounting, it's all just in one account. It's very easy to see what was income and what was expense for the business. Um, Obviously, after you've created the LLC, then it's appropriate right then and there to go ahead and get the business accounts to align with the LLC. Um, but so just kind of go with where you're at and just kind of scale is if you don't have the LLC yet, at least open up separate personal bank accounts. Yeah. And I would, I would definitely recommend like guys getting your LLC. Like I would definitely handle that as soon as you can. And I think there's like some mis misconceptions like this could be a whole other topic but you know if you like google like get an llc like you're gonna find so much like scammy stuff on there so just make sure that you are going through like a gov website or something like that because mm -hmm. i've had clients that have like signed up for something and i'm like whoa what is this i didn't pass off on this <laughs> and they're getting hit with these like you know because like letters these days yeah. i swear like there's so much just like scam uh, scammy like mail out there, you know, and it's like, Hey, Taylor, uh, do I actually have to pay another $300 to sustain my LLC? I'm like, no, what is that? And I'm glad you asked me about it. So just be careful with that kind of stuff too. But I love the tip that you gave about, it doesn't have to be a business bank account. It could literally be you just opening up another personal account. I think that is really, really helpful. Um, because, you know, I mean, I don't know what your recommendations are, but like if somebody's working nine to five and maybe they're not making like a ton of money, right? right? Um, they're like, well, I don't have a ton of money to put into my business account or this other personal account. Like I want to make sure people feel comfortable with having like funds to kind of shift and move around. Um, even if their expenses aren't super high. Cause I think one thing that you recommend is having what, like three months of expenses of business expenses in your business account at one time. Yeah, that's a really good rule of thumb. Uh, if you're a little bit more aggressive person, you could probably get by with one or two, uh, along with maybe having a backup plan, like having some credit already established um, that's, that's accessible. But if you're very conservative, it's not. there's nothing wrong with having six months of reserves as well. So it kind of depends on if you're conservative or aggressive. Okay, got it. And so, all right, we've got the QuickBooks, we've got established, we're doing this monthly, cool, sounds great. So as you start hitting those bigger months, right? Like the maybe like the 300, 400, $500,000 years, mm -hmm. what are you working with your clients on at that level? Because I know that you, you obviously have the CFO side of your business and the wealth management side of your business. So like, what are you kind of working with those clients on to diversify, um, you know, like just where they're kind of putting their money. Yeah. So I, I feel like the, the, the initial like running through and getting familiar with the clients and getting them established is going through the write-offs of what is ordinary, what is necessary for your business? What are you currently writing off? What are you missing? Uh, because uh, there's a lot of things out there that um, you can write off for business that people just miss. Uh, and they just forget about it, right? And if it doesn't get added to their QuickBooks or to their business account, 
they could go years of paying a subscription or paying something out of personal and never getting that as a business deduction. So I would say write-offs is, is what, uh, the first review. Um, get everything into the accounting system. Look at the profit and loss. Okay, what are you writing off? And then working with the, the health and fitness entrepreneurs, we're pretty familiar of what are people writing off. And I could ask, okay, what about this? I don't see this on your P&L. And, oh, yeah, I, just, I, I guess I pay that out of personal. And then we look at adding those things in and getting additional write-offs from there. And I mean, I, we may as well just like open the can of worms of write-offs in general because we're already on this topic. But I think that that might be the most asked question, not not directly, like not, hey, Taylor, what can I write off? But just all of the things that you can write off that people don't think about when you are a business owner, right? Like even something as simple as if somebody were to invest in one of my courses Mm-hmm. or hiring me as a coach, like that is a write-off, you know, and people are like, oh, I had no idea. So, I mean, let's start with just like the basics of like, um, like the home, right? Like things that you can write off in your house. Like I would love for you to kind of break down like the rent rule and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So home office, um, deduction, it can be quite huge for people. Um, and it takes account, like a lot of different things in your house that you don't think about. Like it goes and you can add in like um, the HOA fees that you can add in the security system, the yard work, um, trash, like um, the interest you pay on your mortgage or your rent that you pay, um, a cleaning service. And what you do is you just add up for the year the the actual cost and then you, you divide the size of your office compared to the square footage of your home. And that is a percentage uh, of a write-off that you can add to your business Um profit and loss and get a a tax deduction for. Um, So the home office expense, you see that quite a bit um, being missed. And then mileage uh, is another one that doesn't go through your P&L. So they just, uh, you know, you kind of forget to write down mileage. And I've seen people's mileage be five, $10,000 in deductions. So yeah, that's an important deduction that you don't want to miss. I love the the cleaning mention because I'm actually in the process of finding somebody who can like clean my house because there's just a lot of bedrooms, you know, and I don't want to do it all the time. Um, and now I'm just thinking like, Oh, perfect. That is another nice write-off. Um, but yeah, you know, and I was even talking to you guys, um, on one of our calls about like furnishing and all that. And and I think like, you know, one of your teammates was like, uh, don't forget to write that off. Don't forget. It's like, right. Like you don't think about some things. Right. But I almost feel like there's a tie to write something off in just like so many instances that we wouldn't think about. And like, again, the basics are of course, like square footage of your home office and, you know, like internet, all of those things. But let's think about like, cause I, I have a lot of like women too, that are like listening to me and, um, you know, something that I think we could talk about is like, like, like photo shoots, for example, right? Like your marketing, there's a lot that I write off that goes into marketing. Um, whether that is like, let's say you're getting ready for a shoot and you buy like, you know, new clothes or get your nails done or whatever. Like if that's all going towards a shoot, then like you can write that off. Yeah. And, and obviously you're going to want to seek your own professional advice or your CPA or accountant to get everything that you, uh, across in your specific situation. But a lot of times if it's not, if it's, something that you need, like a marketing cost um, for your business, um, like that photo shoot, like, yeah, that that can be definitely a write-off that a lot of people would just pay out of personal. 
Right. And I mean, those are things that like I used to pay on a personal. And again, I mean, there's a difference between just like, oh, I'm doing a photo shoot like every other day and I'm writing off every item of clothing that I bought this year. But, you know, a lot of you guys that are in the fitness space, like you, there could be like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but even like a gym membership, I feel like I've heard of people like even including that um, right. if they're like more of like a fitness model or something like that. And there's a lot of education happening in the gym. I mean, all the fitness coaches, you're doing some kind of recording of your workouts, providing education to your clients. Same thing with um, groceries and home cooking. And if you're providing some kind of education around that, there's a lot of creative ways that you can start writing off some of these things. Um, not the whole thing, but uh, part of it's business. So get a partial deduction. Can we talk more about this grocery situation here? Because now I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, the the grocery situation, like, I don't know, like, um, you see most uh, nutrition coaches, you know, I, I, I shouldn't say most. I, I'm kind of living a little different here because my wife um, is like huge into cooking and she provides a lot of education and YouTube videos and stuff around cooking and food. And that's her passion and she loves it. So why not write off a few of your grocery hauls because you're going to be doing a video to teach people about your recipes. Right. No. And I think that's, and I think, I think you're right in saying most honestly, because what, whatever kind of coach you are, like in, in terms of like fitness, health, wellness, like you're showing people what you're eating. You're either giving recipes, you're teaching them how to do X, Y, and Z with their food, food relationships, anything. So, I mean, like, I, I get it. I think that that's interesting. And um, are there any write-offs you can think of that like, just, I mean, I know we could go off on so many, so many tangents on, on write-offs, but like, is there anything you can think of or like a write-off that a client has had recently where you're like, wow, never thought that would be a write-off, but it was. <laughs> Oh, you put me on the spot here. Huh. I always do in podcasts. I have to. It's like a it's like a thing I do. But I just feel like there's got to be something that's just like, whoa, that was a bizarre one. Like, I can't believe that was a write-off, but it was. <laughs> um, you know, for the most part, we do a very good job educating our clients on getting everything that they can possibly write off in. So I don't see a whole lot of that. What I do see is a lot of things when new clients come to us, like just everything underneath the sun underneath the business that is not necessary. And it's just basically, it's just no separation of finances and they're just writing off everything. Um, I see that right. more often than just people adding things like amazing type of write-offs that you don't think of, but um, yeah, no, I, I feel like one is also missed here is forgetting like your business credit card or business um, debit card and you go uh, on a business meeting and you pay for things out of personal. And I think a lot of people forget to reimburse themselves for that. Oh yeah. Interesting. I, I definitely don't reimburse myself for that. I just like remember that it's there. <laughs> <laughs> I think it depends, honestly, it depends on the situation, like, or I guess like how much it is. Right. Cause I've definitely been out with like, clients for coffee. Right. And I'll like put that on like a credit card and I'm probably not going to be like, Oh, let me make sure I give myself $10 back later. But, yeah. um, no, like flights and things like that. And, and I know that that's something that you've kind of instilled working with me is, you know, um, certain things go on the credit card, certain things go on the, um, in like the business, just like checking. So like, I would love for you to kind of break down the differences there too. And like, Hey, here are some things that you should be putting on a credit card versus like, 
business expenses. Yeah. Um, so we're big believers in using uh, credit cards as long as they don't get misused. Um, you put uh, your operating expenses on the credit card. Now um, it helps out with business cash flow. So then you only have one payment uh, and everything goes on that credit card and you don't pay any interest to the merchant to utilize their credit for the month. And then once the credit card comes due, you pay that off. Um, and then it just creates consistency and you can kind of monitor cash flow a little bit better that way. So anything underneath the sun, I would probably put uh, under the credit card if you're able to. Okay. Got it. Um, I typically do like recurring payments, I guess, like on my, like, mm -hmm. like recurring business expenses. Right. So like contractors or, um, software, whatever is like just a constant monthly payment. I typically put on the checking and then a credit card. I typically do, um, if I have somebody that's like, I guess like a higher expense on a monthly basis, like I typically will put like a business coach payment on like a credit card or, uh, travel client gifts, things like that. Just kind of like miscellaneous. Yeah. So the reason behind using the credit card as well is not only the cash flow is uh, for fraud purposes. Like if you ever had fraud, you literally can call the credit card company and the money is re re like refunded back to your card immediately. But if you have that same issue with having a bank account, sometimes you may or may not get that money back. Right. So fraud is a big one. And then also when you're dealing with a lot of vendors, you're flying around your bank account information a lot. So it's susceptible of getting, you know, fraudulent charges on it versus a credit card. Um, I'd be feel a little more comfortable giving out my credit card because I know I could cancel that or it's not my cash in my bank. Right. Yep. So what about like a business saving account or savings account? How would you recommend setting that up? When to set that up? I know you're probably going to say like it's never too early, but yeah. I feel like, you know, what's like a good rule of thumb for uh putting money in savings. So, so I, yeah, you hit that, right? I believe in like creating financial healthy habits right away. So right, right away when I'm establishing my business bank accounts or opening up that second, it's that, you know, that personal business account that I'm going to be using, I'm going to go ahead and open up savings accounts with that to create some kind of structure with my business so I can start saving for taxes and I can start saving for, you know, say profits or reinvestments down the road. So I'm a big believer in having, you know, your one main checking account and then putting a certain percentage of your revenue over into a tax savings account and I call it a profit uh, savings account. And so I believe in having three different bank accounts. So then we can uh, really like quickly do our accounting and make informed business decisions just by looking at our cell phone and seeing what money we have in which bank account. Um, and then that way we can just go ahead and move forward with our day. And um, so if, if, uh, Taylor's out shopping around and hires a business coach and sh she knows this business coach is really, really expensive, you know, doesn't know if the results are going to happen or not. So I, I hate to take that out of my main operating account, but I have $50,000 over here in my profit account. That's, you know, if, it, if, it, if, if Taylor, you know, if this business coach 10 X is that 50,000 cool, but if it doesn't, it's not going to affect my life or my business. I'm going to be okay. I could have a whole like separate conversation about all of what you should, that, that fake scenario, but um, <laughs> <laughs> never hire a business coach. If you're feeling like that, if you really are just very uncertain, but <laughs> yes, you're right. Um, I know something that I did and I don't know if this was like, a, I, I made this rule up in my head. Okay. It was way before you, I had like, you know, I was making like 5k a month maybe. And I would just put like 10% of every, payment into savings. Like it was like an automatic rule. 
mm-hmm. that I had um, on my like bank account. And like that grew my savings like pretty steadily. So if like you guys have a client that's paying you 500 bucks a month and like 10% of that goes into savings every time that, you know, payment hits and you have, I don't know, 20, 30, 40, 50 clients in your roster, like you'll start to build that pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I would love to know kind of your thought process on, um, on that and like scaling that, right? For somebody who's maybe at the beginning, but somebody who's already hitting, like maybe they're making six figures a month. Like what are some thoughts for that? Yeah. Well, and we also got to look at like a lot of people have different business structures. Some people are scaling as a solopreneur, very profitable. So the amount that they can save can be quite a bit higher. Some people are trying to build like enterprise value, build a team. So they're not as profitable. So it's hard to give a blanket statement of you should save X, but a good rule of thumb is um, that 10% um, when you get started out of anywhere from that you know, $10,000 months to 50,000, even hundred thousand dollars a month, you should be able to save 10%. Um, you would, you would like as in a profit account. So that can go back to pay you like owner's distributions down the road, take a family vacation, uh, reinvest back in the business. And then also you should be able to put uh, 15% um, in a, like a tax savings account. And then that money um, can grow and grow. And then if you do a good job come tax time and you don't spend all 15%, now you can um, utilize that money in other areas or just keep it in your tax savings account as your business grows. So I, I like the 10% and a 15% rule. So overall about 25% savings. Um, that's very obtainable for uh, solopreneurs that are run a very profitable business, but that's sometimes difficult when you're trying to build a team. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think there's like seasons of that too, right? Not to say that, oh, I shouldn't save as much this month. But I think also like as we're kind of talking about monetary habits, I do want to want to chat with you about kind of just like habit building and like what to really keep an eye on. Because I do think that like money management is that that topic that people just don't think is like sexy and so they ignore it. Like, oh, it's fine. I'm making money. Who cares? But it's like, I also want to talk about like the ebbs and flows of business. And um, you're somebody who like, we always have to think about, I mean, obviously best case scenarios, but like worst case scenarios too, right? Like what if everything blows up tomorrow? Like, are we going to have like financial security and stability and all those things and not to inflict scarcity mindset on anybody? It's not what I'm saying, but I do think we should as entrepreneurs understand that there are going to be ebbs and flows in our business. And I don't mean really big months and really bad months. I just mean like cash flow, right? <clears throat> like there's times we're going to be spending more capital and times that we want more money up front. Um, versus like the save aspect. So, I mean, I would love to know kind of your thoughts on just managing your spending because something that I will say I'm very good at is not spending money. Um, I honestly save a lot of it to the point that my financial advisor is like, you can actually spend a little more if you want to. Like, I think you even told me like, go spend money so we can write something off. Like, <laughs> cause I don't, I try not to spend a lot of money. Um, and so I would love, but then I see people that like the second they hit their first 10 K month, they spend 5 K on a new, on a new purse. And like, sure. you know, I would love to talk to you about kind of like spend habits. Yeah. Well, we definitely know that, Business is definitely not like a static, like just consistent $100,000 months or consistent $10,000 months, whatever you have. It's definitely seasonal, definitely some ups and downs. So let's go back to creating that profit account and creating the habit of putting money into that savings account, whatever your savings rate is into that profit account. Let's just call it 10%. So when you 
transfer money into that account every month or every week, whatever works for you, you've created that habit of doing it. And then you're taking that money from your operating account. So what happens is I don't like to keep a ton of money in my operating account for a lot of reasons, but a really good reason not to keep a lot of money in your main checking operating account is to try to determine and keep a, a, a finger on your business as in, is it doing well? Is it doing bad? Um, because what it happens is if, if your business is in a season of maybe growth and you're reinvesting a lot and there's not a lot of profits, you're probably not going to be able to transfer money over into that profit savings account. So that could be a little bit of a red flag. Okay. Now I'm really close on cash flow. Uh, there's just nothing left in my operating account. I can't make that transfer into my profit account to grow that. So I know cash flow is really tight right now. And then what happens is you keep track in the second month that you can't transfer money into that. Well, I'm still in season. I'm still reinvesting. I'm doing, doing this, doing love, you know, adding things into my business. It's okay. But maybe you get to the third month and you still can't put money into the profit account. You're actually taking money out of the profit account and putting back into your operating account so your business can keep going. Then I think we can definitely identify a red flag before you run out of money and shit hits the fan. Right. Yeah. I mean, do you notice that? Like, I, again, I mean, I, I don't know, like, if you can even blanket statement this with your clientele, but it's like, I definitely know personally that I have clients that are like very, very responsible and clients that are, you know, making six figures, but somehow have like no money. And I'm like, where's the disconnect? Right. Um, so I would love to know like your thoughts, like what are, what are some like red flags or like wake up calls or like, just like, what is something you can say to people? Cause it's like, I, I think that there's this like perception online to like, you know, be this multi six figure, seven figure online coach and like have this fancy like penthouse and like drive the best car. And like, I really honestly think that like, no, I mean, I would not spend all my money on like a new car. I'd have a car that's totally paid off and just spend money on something else. You know what I mean? Like I just have a different right, right. mindset there, but I would love to know kind of your thoughts. I think this boils down and I, I talk about this quite a bit is I think people want it today or they want it tomorrow, all the success. And they don't realize what can like compounding return, compounding interest or compounding like your business revenue over one, five, 10 years can do for them. And it can be quite powerful. They just don't see that. So what happens is they run the cash flow risk of just trying to reinvest, reinvest, get everything going. I'm going to just run through brick walls to get this business going tomorrow. Right. And then they run themselves out of cash. And then that's the wake up call. Whereas in you, it's okay if this maybe takes you more than a month to build, it's okay if it takes you three years, five years, 10 years, because what happens is that's where the power of compounding return and compounding income takes in place as long as you can stay in business and grow this thing. But a lot of times most businesses don't make it is because of cash flow reasons and they run themselves out of cash. Right. And I find that it's like less money going towards their business and more money going towards just like frivolous things, right? Like, oh, I'm making 10K now. I should be spending, you know, 2000 plus in my apartment or whatever it happens to be. Sure. Right. I've seen it um, both ways. I find that it's just like, okay. Yeah. I I've would seen love it to both know ways of like people like sucking or have an awesome, amazing business, but just sucking it dry on the personal side of things. Um, and not saving. And then I've also seen people um, not spend a lot on the personal things, but they reinvest every dollar, um, more education, I need more education, I need more education, I need to do this, I need to do yep. that, and never get going is the problem. Yeah, I see that too. Yeah, for sure. It's like, I forget what Enneagram type it is, but 
And I, I think like we can say just as like coaches and people that are like kind of nerds when it comes to business and growing and all of that, like we all want more knowledge, right? But I definitely have clients um, that just, they constantly are investing in like another course, another certification, mm -hmm. another course. And it's, and it's not that they aren't going like they are in their business, but if you're investing in a course every quarter, it's like, when are you going to implement? Right. And also like those courses, I mean, we know as online coaches, like people charge whatever they want. The internet is like a wild place. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so it's like, if you're constantly spending an extra 5k, um, all the time on these courses and you're only bringing in five, six, seven K, like it's going to be really hard for you to catch up because the ROI comes from hiring those clients, right. Or bringing in those clients rather. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely noticed that as well too. That's so funny. You mentioned that I was just talking to my wife. So it's less day. about like them being irresponsible. <laughs> yeah. Just never get going. Yeah. Just always need one more thing to be able to get the head trash out of the way and just start get going. Um, but yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I, I was just talking to my wife the other day. Like, I'm not going to read another book until I freaking start to implement. Like, I'll go book after book of just mm -hmm. awesome information. But then if I don't ever implement it, it's like, what good did that do me? And I see that with, um, like you mentioned, courses. Like, people buy courses and if they, if they don't um, hold themselves accountable and, and execute, the course did them no good. And there's a difference between – well, and also like <sighs> – yeah, it's like this analysis paralysis or like we just have so much knowledge and we don't know how to execute. And like, you know, I just find that it's hard to explain because obviously we're like going on the realm of like coaching right now versus like wealth management. But yeah, yeah I mean, if you are trying to build a business and you're trying to because I've never met anyone that's like, oh, I just want to make 5K and stop. I've never met anyone that has said that. So like I'm assuming and I know if you're listening to this podcast right now, you are wanting to make you know, seven figures at some point or something of that, of close to that. And, you know, the best thing I can say is like, take action before you're ready. Always mm -hmm. like on every aspect of everything, like before you think you need a CFO, hire one before you think you need to open a business bank account, do it before you think you need a business coach, get one in there. Like whatever it is, like just constantly be like ahead of the curve. Because again, back to what we said about being an entrepreneur, like you have to understand there are risks involved in this, right? Like we no longer have a boss over us, right? And the perks of that is that we get to do whatever we want. We get to run it however we want to. But I just think some people, um, I don't know if it's like the pressure or they just think that they're not good enough. It's like a limiting belief. But, you know, I definitely am, am a person who has invested in several courses, but probably never more than like one a year. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I feel like I don't have time to implement it. Right. I, I definitely see that as well. Yeah, we kind of definitely went down the coaching route here. That's well, fun. you know, I feel like you uh, are in that in that rabbit hole too. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, so speaking of like, when to hire a CFO truly, like, obviously, this is what you do. Um, yeah. You've got a great team. I definitely like, you know, and, and this isn't, I mean, you can call it a pitch, or you don't have to call it a pitch. But honestly, like, I've really loved working with you because it's not just you, there's like a team under you. So it's like, I know exactly who to go to for this exactly who to go to for my taxes, like, and you guys are so responsive. Um, and a lot of my clients have kind of like used you as well. And so I mean, like, I would just love to know, for anyone that's like listening, because I, I know I had this like misconception that, oh, a CFO is going to be like, a million dollars, and I can't bring one on because again, like there's people on the internet that are not qualified to do yeah. anything that you do and what they're charging is atrocious. So, I mean, like, I would just love for you to kind of like break down like what you do, 
um, how to get in touch with you. Obviously I'm going to link your Instagram below and people can like find you that way, but just like, when should you bring on a CFO? What does that look like? And I think people probably need one sooner rather than later. Yeah. So we started the conversation off with the write-offs and, and that's one thing, but once you start making more money, there's more levers that we can pull in business and the more difference we can make in your life. I would have to say to go uh, hire a full service team like ourselves, I would say definitely north of a, you know, I would say north of, ideally I'd like you above 250,000. Uh, we definitely have clients hire us before that because they want to get it right from the beginning. But once you have over $250,000 in revenue, um, our cost as an outsourced CFO, bookkeeping, tax prep team um, is definitely affordable and we're going to bring more value to you than our, I guess, investment. So where I was going with that is write-offs are one thing, but once you get a team and you get the, the net income, um, we have more levers we can pull through tax strategy. And I think that's kind of where the the power is or the, the golden nugget is, is once you start implementing tax strategy and tax strategy can, uh, is something you just don't do for this year. It's something you look into the future years as well to try to maximize your tax savings. Um, Taylor. And right. I, and I'm glad that you mentioned that like 250 K like threshold too, by the way. I mean, that, yeah, it's just, there's not a perfect number, but there's a point if you only have $50,000 in revenue, hiring an outsourced firm like ours, it could be almost detrimental to your financial success as in the cost of mm -hmm. it versus your revenue. But as you grow and as you scale and you want to reinvest in your business, I think we're a, a good team to add earlier or sooner than later. Um, so we can start implementing more than just write-offs. We can start implementing the strategy and saving you a lot on your tax liability. Because once you start making a lot of money, the IRS is probably your biggest expense. Oh yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Taylor kind of found that one out. <laughs> I mean, we knew it was coming. I just was ready. I was ready for the bill. The first time, the first time I was like, oh no, 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 no. But we got that down. So like, yeah. that was nice. That was a fun game that we played for a while back and forth, a little yeah. ping pong game of write-offs. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said, I wanted to bring you on because I just think like, I can't say it enough and I'm sure you can't either, but just whether you're making, you know, 5k a month or 500k a month, like, I don't care. It's like, you have to be able to manage your money and it's, it's not only having a team or whatever, but just having some simple systems in place understanding like what you can actually write off and like all of the rules and implications around taxes and all of that. It's super, super helpful. Um, but yeah, I mean, do you, do you do any like consultations? Like, do you do any like paid consultations where people could like pick your brain for a little bit? Yeah, I would definitely offer up an hour of my time. If someone wants to give me their current financial situation, I'd be happy to do a one-time consultation um, for anybody, anybody of your listeners to kind of give them some feedback and give them some um, uh, initial strategy. And then if there would be a good fit to work together, then obviously we could explore that. What's the code word? <laughs> Let's just go Taylor. <laughs> All right. If you send Sean a DM with my name and it's spelled correctly, then that is your offer. I did this one time with another podcast and I, I started getting like this random word being DM to me and I was like, I'm confused. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I said that one time. <laughs> so yeah, if anyone sends that, but cool. All right, Sean. Well, any last minute thoughts, tips, tricks, anything else? 
Yes. Um, there's a lot of low hanging fruit out there that um, people are missing that can change your tax bill by, you know, five, 10, even $20,000 or more every year. Just um, a lot of people um, don't know about them and then they don't get executed. So reach out and definitely work with a CFO. I'm, I'd love for you to work with Fit CFO, but I can promise you that when you're making uh, quite a bit of money, we're going to save you more money uh, on taxes than our investment to work with our team. I can attest to that. Like, it, like that's such an, that you're, I feel like you're just selling yourself short there. Like that's such an understatement. Like Sean has saved me so much money. So you guys definitely reach out to him if you have any questions. Um, I feel like you're a great resource to have and, um, you know, you and your wife both are like super fun to follow. So Perfect. All right, guys. Well, make sure you reach out to him if you need anything. Um, and if you have any follow-up questions, like shoot me a DM, shoot Sean a DM. Like we're, we're here to help you. Um, building a business is not, is not easy and it's hard to find people that will actually answer your questions. So um, we're definitely here to help. Interrupting the podcast just for a second. Listen, I know selling is hard, especially on video on your stories. It's time to stop hiding and start selling. And I'm making it easy with my free story pitching templates. I'm breaking down what to say for every scenario and giving you a slide by slide script. Just plug, play and sell. It's totally free and only available inside of the Goal Getter community on Facebook. Just click the link in the show notes and we'll see you there. I want to give you a virtual high five for finishing another episode of the Taylor DeHaze podcast. Love the episode? Share it and tag me on Instagram. Have a question? My DMs are always open. Until next time, bye y'all.